Welcome back to the School of Calisthenics podcast. This is your weekly dose of entertainment, energy, excitement, inspiration and motivation from some incredible guests that have joined us on the podcast and it's unfortunately mixed in with some fairly average banter from Jacko and I. So whether you're here for the banter or not, we're certainly going to be helping you. We cover all things health, fitness, training and calisthenics to help you explore your physical potential through bodyweight training and redefine your impossible. So without further ado, here are your hosts, Tim and So we're back this week with another podcast and we are super excited to welcome yes. Georgie, one of our new coaches who's joined the School of Calisthenics coaching team onto the podcast so you guys can get to know her a little bit better because she's an absolute legend. Uh, A.K.A. The Hench Yogi, for those that follow on the IG, for those that don't, that means Instagram. Um, and yes, Georgie, uh, aka The Hench Yogi, is an absolute badass. Um, and we're gonna we're gonna get give you the chance on the podcast to get to know her a little bit better, her personality as well as her philosophy around uh, training, around calisthenics, and uh, her illustrious career to date around the number of different training uh, modalities that she's that she's been through. It really is um, very interesting to, to find and unpick the, the different aspects of each type of training that she's done that's brought her to where she is today. Yeah, one thing I think is really great about what George is bringing to the table is that she really knows the process. So she's been through the hard work, she's put the hard yards in to build the skills and strength that she's got from a number of different disciplines. And there's so much value that she's got to be able to impart that knowledge and experience for other people to learn from, from what she's got as part of her um, journey from her own practice, but also as a, as a fitness and training profession as well. So I hope you guys are going to enjoy this one. Yeah. So you can sit back and enjoy Georgie on the School of Calisthenics podcast. Jacko, tell him what's next. The jingle. It's the jingle. Roll the jingle. So, Georgie, welcome to the podcast. It's an absolute pleasure and a delight to have you on and introduce you to the wider audience and, uh, and get them an opportunity for them to get to know you. Not just the podcast, the coaching team. Well, yes, absolutely. Joining the, the School of Calisthenics coaching team. So, welcome to the team and welcome to the podcast, more importantly. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Great to be here. So, let's get... <laughs> Let's get started and give yourself a little bit of an introduction. So just tell us a little bit about your sort of your journey into into coaching, into calisthenics, um, where you've been, what it's looked like, and then we're just going to yeah, we're gonna explore a little of things around that and, yeah. and how you train, what your training looks like and, and your philosophy around sort of movement and coaching. Because you've got such a diverse like, background of skills and experience. I think it's going to be really interesting to dive into some of that. Yeah, I'll try and cut it short. Um through like school, I wasn't like great at sport. I didn't uh, actually take part in a lot. Um, I tried lots of random things like trampolining and canoeing and um, a bit of dance. And then dance kind of led me to college. And I did uh, performing arts at college and took part in a lot of physical theatre, which was kind of like um, expressing a story with movement and like a lot of lifting other people up and stuff like that, which was cool. Um, from college, I did a fair bit of traveling and that's where I found yoga, surfing and snowboarding and kind of got into lots of different sports that way. Um, and then from there, I did quite a bit more traveling afterwards. I didn't do university. I uh, decided 
about 2012, I think it was, to go and do my personal training qualifications. And then from there, I then did my yoga teacher training. So that would have been in about 2014. And um, from that point, uh, by training clients and just having like one-to-one sessions with people, eventually I came across CrossFit and went to my first CrossFit gym. Um, Absolutely loved training and then eventually did my CrossFit level one and uh, was teaching yoga classes, kind of combining yoga and CrossFit as a whole. From there, it was kind of like, what do I really enjoy within my training? And, And a lot of that within CrossFit, it kind of led me to the strict work. I absolutely loved the strict element of, of training. Um, and that's how I found calisthenics and uh, you guys. And um, I think the constant throughout the whole process to where I am now has been yoga. So a lot of body weight training uh, and then calisthenics and yoga combined has kind of just been like my most favorite combination, I guess, and, and what I now love to coach. Um, so I, I ended up having my own gym for three years and uh, I think I did my first workshop with you guys in 2018. And it wasn't long after I'd had an operation. So I'd actually been out of training for like six to eight months. Um, and then finding you guys and going to your workshop kind of helped me then build all that base strength that I'd lost back. Um, and then from there, I did my coaching course with you as well. And now I'm coaching for you. So that's kind of a really short way of explaining everything. It's kind of a long journey. It was like eight eight years. Um, it's a lot of yeah, yeah, a lot of a lot, lot of stuff. Like Tim said, a, a, a wide variety of background, almost sort of uh, no exercise to surf bum yeah. to yoga teacher to uh, CrossFit enthusiast to CrossFit gym owner, yeah, and then calisthenics. With a little bit of theatre, just sprinkled across the table. Just for excitement. (laughs) (laughs) And I guess part of the part of that journey is to a lot of people know you um, on Instagram as the Hench Yogi, and I know you changed it for one day, I think, or less than a day, a number of. (laughs) But uh, tell us a little. What does the what does the Hench Yogi mean? What does that embody? Like, what do you see that? Uh, obviously it's you but what does that what do you, what do you feel that stands for yeah the easiest way to explain like what it stands for is um strength and the fact that i love my yoga practice and i combine the two um so i did yoga for i guess it's probably been about 12 years but i had for a long portion of that time i had no kind of strength background uh and i always had this pre-misconception of like yogis having to be really small people and really bendy. Um, and that was before I really knew much about what yoga was. To me, it was just like the physical practice then. There's a lot more to it. So when I eventually found training and I was getting stronger and still combining the two together, um, it was kind of like an unstoppable, unstoppable kind of like combination and both forms. So like calisthenics, and body weight strength training was benefiting my yoga practice and then moving and getting my body more open was benefiting my calisthenics or my training practice and helping me to move well. And um, after years of like training and being strong, and I guess like some people would look at me and say I'm muscly, uh, and then also bendy. So the combination of hench yogi just fit. (laughs) 
I like it. Yeah, I, love it. <laughs> I do like it. Um, I've just, my, one of the key takeaways from Fat Jacker is that Georgie said that uh, yogis have got to be small and bendy. So that, like I said, that is summarizes me perfectly. So maybe <laughs> I am in the wrong, the wrong discipline. Well, has anyone ever called you small and bendy? I, I, it's, it's a self, well, it's, that's how I've, I've self-consciously so feel. feel. Yeah. Let's not turn this into a therapy session about my insecurities. Um, how did you find then, Georgie? Because going from um, yoga and then sort of getting into CrossFit, you, you, as you said, you sort of like you get in the movement and the strength component, but like CrossFit is not an easy on ramp in terms of strength training. You get into some pretty complex lifts fairly early doors around some of the Olympic lifting disciplines or component of it. How did you find learning strength training in that environment if you'd not done a huge amount of it before? Because if you've done like a heavy back squat before and you've done a bit of bench press, it's probably a little bit of an easy transition. Was it a bit of sort of two stark realities and what was that sort of learning process like? You mean for going from yoga into CrossFit? Like, yeah, when you yeah. first started CrossFit. Yeah, um, uh, actually, to begin with, it was a bit of a dangerous, <laughs> dangerous combination only because I had like zero strength and I'd been um, doing like a daily yoga practice and I hadn't really done much like inversion type stuff or like real hard balancing like elements within the practice that I've been doing to that point. So I wasn't actually very strong, but I was really flexible. So um, actually what then happened from then going into training and really pushing myself really hard, I actually came out of that with quite a lot of injuries. So I learned the wrong way a lot before coming to where I am now, which has taught me a lot of lessons really. Um, So it was having, yeah, having the element of a lot of flexibility without having strength through any of the ranges of motion that I had was a little bit drastic <laughs> wasn't the best yeah. combination at the time <laughs> and i think that's probably like you've suffered one end of that which is probably the the, the rarer end in that people move really well but don't have strength through range mm-hmm. a lot of people won't move well because they'll be sort of tight and jacked up and they've got some strength in that range and it's it's finding that compromise and that's what i think is really interesting about your sort of your journey is you've you've explored almost the two ends of the extremes of that and you've you've probably come down to understanding really like really well defined what that looks like for you and how important mm. having those two different components are so if you, in terms of your philosophy now like you still do quite a lot of different sorts of training what is your sort of your philosophy around movement training look like now um, I, my main training now is a combination of calisthenics and yoga that like, I, I love trying new sports and going off and, and doing other things. Like a few weeks ago, I went climbing for the first time and, but like just trying new stuff is what excites me because I always kind of, um, enjoyed change. Like I've loved change. Um, I've done so many different things that kind of shows that, but the main basis that stays the same for me is now calisthenics and yoga and that's really what I coach and what I teach in terms of like my PT clients and everything like that as well and and I guess it ticks those boxes of the focus on having to move well and then also having to be strong through that full range of movement which is probably I, I think in my experience um it's not an easy combination to find in many cases there's not many endeavors which require such high levels of force and such range yeah. of movement to make something look beautifully graceful or effortless yeah yeah through like uh yoga practice like i'm always trying to get people to understand how to feel like actually um being aware of what's going on in their body like listening what's going on like i'll have some days where i'll do a bit of yoga when i get up in the morning and it tells me pretty quickly as to whether i need a day off (laughs) like it, it teaches me what is going on in my body um whereas 
if I've gone through like points in the past of where I've just trained and I've done very little yoga, I find it really hard to listen as much. I just kind of work off pushing myself and like listening to that and like feeling that adrenaline in the body and it kind of masks a lot of things that are going on sometimes. So I find the combination of yoga and movement with training helps me to listen more. So, so I really get a feel for what's going on in my body. And I think that's really important. Yeah. Is that probably, is that, would you say that's the biggest thing that yoga has taught you in terms of your training? Yeah, definitely. It's, it's opened my body up in a way that I can move well, for one, which I see within the training industry. A lot of people, uh, depending on what they've been doing day to day, like maybe they work in an office all day and they're sat and their hips close up or their shoulders are rounded because they've been hunched over. Um, they then go and train and, and struggle to move through certain, through certain movement patterns. And I think yoga as a whole can really help people to feel more what's going on, open the body up, helps them move better in the gym, which transfers to whatever sport or training you're doing, whether that's calisthenics, CrossFit, um, whatever, really. Um, it, it's just massively beneficial. Hi everyone, it's Tim and Jacko here. We just wanted to interrupt the podcast very briefly just to tell you a little bit about the virtual classroom because we were so excited about everything that's going on in there that it's just too good not to share with you. We've put the best of everything we've got and everything we know into the virtual classroom to help you work towards your goals in bodyweight training and calisthenics. So by becoming a member of the virtual classroom, you can get access to specific classrooms which are going to take you towards your calisthenics goals, whether that be a muscle-up, handstand, human flag, all the major movements are covered, and we're going to walk you through step-by-step with specialized weekly training programs and self-assessments which are going to make sure you never get stuck and you know exactly what to do every time you want to train. On top of the movement-specific classrooms, we also have things like workout of the week. We have follow-along workouts for you to do. We have challenges inside of playtime. We also host live webinars answering your specific questions and doing problem-solving alongside with you. And there's also a video library of all the video tutorials and exercises that we have. And alongside that, there is a, a, a community of people in there that are helping support each other towards their goals and their training and helping with that process being alongside me and Tim inside the virtual classroom and all the students as well. So if you want to become part of what is possibly the greatest bodyweight and calisthenics training resource in the world, at least we think so, then all you need to do is swing by schoolofcalisthenics.com and follow the links through to the virtual classroom. When you get there, you're going to find a number of different membership packages to choose from. We've got specific subscriptions for beginners. And if you want everything that we've got, you can join a monthly or an annual subscription plan and you are going to get the best of everything that we've got. It's going to help you to do whatever it is that you want to achieve in calisthenics. If you have just one specific goal, you can buy the individual classroom for that movement for a one-time fee and get unlimited access to all of the workouts and the programs to follow inside that classroom. We are now fully aware that you're probably not even listening to this anymore because you've already gone to schoolofcalisthenics.com to check out the virtual classroom. But if you still need a little bit more convincing, wondering if it's for you or not, we've got a completely free eight-week beginner's guide which is going to take you from absolute basics and give you an exposure to all of the exciting things that Calisthenics has to offer. And also on our monthly full subscription, you can get seven days just to check it out. No contracts. If you don't like it, you don't have to stay, but you probably will. And we look forward to seeing you in the virtual classroom very soon. Let's get back to the podcast. Yeah, I just think the the emphasis or the the comment you made about the fact that you it let you 
feel, understand and normal and like listen to your body, that element is a bit different to kind of saying it's CrossFit. I mean, there can always be elements of that, but I guess that is a quite a focus of um, yoga. And you said the other day um, when we were filming some YouTube content around, um, if it, you said it's, it's beautiful, I loved it because it was so simple, but it just people need to, sometimes we just need to hear it. Um, yeah. So if it feels good, it's, it's good. And if it feels bad, it's bad, um, which I think is great advice. But the underpinning that is actually listening to your body. Yeah rather than something can be you can be doing something it can be good or it can be bad but if you're not actually aware and taking some of that feedback back then you're missing out on that and well the other questions i wanted to ask you was around um if that's maybe one of the biggest things in yoga you've done quite you've done a number of different things so if you say surfing and snowboarding is like extreme sports Mm -hmm. and then we've got crossfit and then you've got calisthenics yeah what things if what's like the the main thing you've learned from each of those other disciplines because I think that's going to be what's got that's got you, as you said, to where you are now. Yeah. And just trying to unpick like what are the key things of those different sort of sports or disciplines that that make up the Georgie the Henge Yogi. Yeah. Um, well, <laughs> the, first of all, like all of those things are things that I found fun. So fun is like the most important part of all of it. Like you've got to be enjoying what you're doing. But the most important base for all of those things as a whole is having like strength in your body and awareness. Um, so a lot of the strength stuff that we do in calisthenics is actually important for every single one of those sports, I believe. Um, and, uh, and then from obviously from the yoga that crosses over for all of that as well, helps you move well throughout all those sports. So, uh, does that answer the question? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's, um, it's about that connection. I yeah. think that's where the, 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 the key comes, not the connection necessarily between the sports, but the connection of the human body. So to push yourself up on a surfboard and then be able to stick, um, get your feet planted in a stable position so that you can then actually ride the wave through, like yeah. that's a kinetic chain movement. You need the whole body to be able to link together, to be able to do that. This, to a snowboard to a certain extent, it's probably like there's less upper body involvement, but mm-hmm. we're talking about, I think, it is that it's looking at the system and how the human body moves as an integrated unit and then applying that into different circumstances. Mm-hmm. And we actually had a conversation this morning, we had a meeting and we were just talking about, um, you can take these under these under, underpinning principles of moving well and having a strength through range. And it, it, regardless of what you want to do, whether you want to ride a mountain bike, whether you want to climb a mountain, like it doesn't really matter. It even could be table tennis through to flipping anything yeah. like, cricket the whole point is that if you have strength through range you have a movement literacy which you can then go and apply to whatever endeavor it is that brings you enjoyment and fun like you said that should be where it's always going and 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 jacko is is on a a golfing weekend um just gone and he was just sort of like just thinking back on what you said and what you've talked about as well like just these things are way more fun if you can move better because you're just better at them Right, yeah. like weirdly, I'd not hit a ball in an entire year. So the last time I'd hit, swung my clubs was at the swung. previous golf <laughs> golf, <laughs> golf uh, event, and a year ago, and I dusted the cobwebs off them. And, and my my thoracic rotation is a lot better these days. For not because not because I've been trying to get better for golf, but then when I stood on the course and actually started swinging, I was like. This feels a hell of a lot better. Now look at all the other, it was a, it was an ex rugby um, thing. So look at all the other rugby lads that are tight as I used to be. And it was just interesting to see, uh, yeah, you, you look at movement a little bit differently. Um, and you know, as my background is a lot of in rugby compared to your, your background and, but it shapes the way you train, but also shapes the way you think and, and, uh, and observe, I guess, movement. Yeah. It's quite, uh, Tim says having, 
Oh, sorry. sorry. <laughs> it was quite no, cool. No, no, you go, you go. Having, <laughs> having done like <laughs> surfing and snowboarding before training and then doing it again afterwards, like the change over, say, like a five-year period of like the strength and everything that I had in my body that I didn't have initially, like I had quite a big gap where I hadn't snowboarded for quite some time, but I almost felt better at it five years on than I had initially yeah. when I first did it. And the same with surfing, like the amount of burpees I've done, I've done over the years. Yeah, and yeah, then yeah. gone back on a surfboard and gone, oh, I can pop up way quicker than I used to be able to. And I'm by no means good at surfing, like honestly. <laughs> I get rumbled a lot more than anything else. But <laughs> but uh, yeah, the transfer of um, training to those sports has, has been amazing, definitely. I yeah. thought that when you said that, um, that like snowboarding and, and surfing are extreme sports. Now I was thinking well, it depends on how you do them. When you first <laughs> yeah. start them, yeah. they're both quite extreme. And then you get to middle ground and it's actually just like it's really safe because you don't dare do anything. Yeah. <laughs> and then, then there's like the extremes of it where people are just going crazy stuff. But <laughs> if you sit in the middle ground like I do, like it's just not that extreme. <laughs> it, it remind, the conversation a little bit reminds me of the one we had with We Move magazine around like generalist versus specialist. And the, the fact that you've done lots of different things builds up that movement literacy yeah and you know i went snowboarding for the first time ever like two years ago best holiday ever wasn't it best holiday ever <laughs> fell on my ass like constantly for the first hour or whatever and then after that i was good to go and it's like you know i don't what i'd never done it before but yeah. i was able to you know you've got a you're if you're moving your body listening to your body understanding your body being able to control it moving lots of different ways you can then apply it into all sorts of different things um and I think that, I guess that what you said around it being fun was a fundamental thing for, for all of the stuff that you were doing. Yeah. And as Tim said, when you move better, it allows you to effectively have more fun because you enjoy yeah. doing it because you can actually do it better. And, you know, it's easier. If it's snowboarding, your ass isn't a sore because you're not on, the, on yeah. it all the time, yeah. as an example. But even down to surfing as well, like I watched the surfing film on the, on the plane on the way back and um, from South Africa recently. And just thinking about the effort that it takes to get back out yeah. to like to the lineup, like that's it's really hard. Yeah. Like, and if oh, your shoulders are in a mess and whatever, like it's uh, you got to work Especially hard just to go. And, and if you really know what you're doing, and you're just like aimlessly paddling, and you don't really understand where you should be to actually get back out there, it's, it can be. Yeah. Pretty nasty. Yeah. It's half an hour getting absolutely pummeled, just trying to stand up again and fall over and then do it all again. It's, it's like, yeah. Been there. Yeah. Um, so let's just talk a little bit then, uh, George. I wanted to just get your, your insight because we get a lot of people coming to calisthenics that have got experience in CrossFit and mm-hmm. have, uh, are CrossFit um, box members and they've trained for a number of different years. And, and they, they've, there's a start been a bit of a shift I've seen. Um, of people wanting to understand how to do the things with strict form, um, like you mentioned before, and starting to try and do things a bit cleaner. Yeah. Um, we've talked before about some of the potential injuries that, that people are, are struggling with. Um, mm. from, from your perspective as a, as a previous CrossFit box owner, mm. sort of, is there any, any advice that you've got for people in terms of that might find themselves in a situation where, okay, I'm, I'm training CrossFit, I love it, awesome, um, but I've got these niggles and these little sort of problems but I, and they're having to sort of deal with. Yeah. And also how that kind of links in with sort of exercise technique and how you see a, a progression through to some of the advanced movements that are included. Yeah, well, I think from my own experience, um, when I started training and doing CrossFit, not having any of that base strength, uh, and I had a good sound awareness of like my body moving in space from doing the yoga up to that point, but without having strength through the range 
uh, I ended up with quite a few injuries. I had like a neck injury, I had back pain, um, I had an elbow injury, and uh, I actually used to have a nickname which was Biscuit. <laughs> so, <laughs> which wasn't, you know, it wasn't a great nickname to have. And um, really, it was. Kind Why Biscuit? <laughs> Put in. <laughs> Why biscuit? <laughs> because I crumbled like a biscuit. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I thought it was because you could only put the biscuits on the end of the bars. That's what it was. <laughs> yeah, because uh... you really like biscuits. <laughs> What's your favourite biscuit? <laughs> um, so I uh, I learned the hard way, really, because I, I had quite a few injuries. I didn't really understand. I'd, I'd only been a PT for maybe like a year at this point when I first started doing CrossFit and I didn't really understand in a way what I was doing. Like I didn't, I didn't know the importance of having that base strength. So I was trying to do all sorts of, th- all sorts of things from, from day one, like trying to keep a handstand push up or, or keep a pull up. And um, actually when I first started, even hanging from the rig was challenging. Like I had sore hands or like I couldn't grip properly. Um, and I think the injuries that I ended up with really taught me the importance of having that base strength, which I learned pretty quickly that that's what I needed. Um, so, and actually, you know, like I was inspired by people like Carl Poley. I used to watch his videos, like when I first started CrossFit and him and Kelly Sturrett talking about movement and health and, and like how to move well. So that was a huge turning point for me. Um, in actually really wanting to pursue good movement and, and like build sound mechanics and, and um, help other people do the same. Um, so I think really like the most important thing that I would tell anyone now is that you really need that strict base, no matter what it is you're doing. Um, and it takes time to do it. Like when I, when I first started not being able to do a strict pull-up, like, and I was a PT, I think I felt a bit, I felt, I felt a bit embarrassed actually that I couldn't do it. Um, and it, it took me like a year or something and, and I had to work really hard to do that. And it's, it's like a long process, but it's the most important part of it is to have, yeah, to have that base strength within your body, no matter what it is you're doing. Yeah. If you don't have that foundation, yeah. we, talk, we were talking about it literally this morning around having those basics and that, that base strength to then build and layer upon that. Mm. Um, and just, I guess it's having that balance between, having like being having fun and and enjoying doing something and making sure that to make your uh training and your workouts more enjoyable and not getting bored and stagnant you're you have a variety and tools in your toolbox to to have variety within the basics to make them challenging for you but not too difficult you're not jumping ahead and i think that's a that's the sort of balance that, that we're exploring more and more and want to put more content together to allow that to happen. Um, and Because and, it can be quite a jump between I can do a pull-up and now I'm going to do a muscle-up or I can yeah. do a push-up, now I want to do a planch. And it's like, well, there's some there's some huge some steps in between do. some of yeah. them. Um, mm. Do you think, Georgie, like people's um, like their, their um, patience in terms of progression is important? Because I think like you, you go into something like, and you can do the same in calisthenics or, or CrossFit or any form, even yoga. And there's a, if the, if the environment sort of, or your ambition wants to sort of move mm. you faster than, than what you're actually sort of, the, the, the process and the journey requires. But I'm, I remember when I learned to do Don't Olympic lifting. To your body, Tim. Yeah, well, when I, when I did pass my UK SCA, I, I just did nothing but Olympic lift for three months because you're going to go in front of a, a, yeah. of a, of a um, tutor or an assessor who's actually really going to 
assess you on the minutiae of whether you actually know the coaching points and can you deliver like a, a well-executed lift. Um, and then, but in, in some worlds, you can find people can start calisthenics. Let's take that as an example. And they'll just start, they'll come to one of our workshops and they've never done a ring muscle before, but they're just, they, someone else has just done one. They quite fancy doing one. Yeah. And all of a sudden they're trying to do something which they haven't necessarily got the, the base strength to do that. Did yeah. you see a lot of that in terms of just the speed of, of, of progression or the wanting to, to progress quicker? Yeah being a, a, a significant component yeah and I got caught up in that for a long time like I'm um, like I uh in the beginning was just so excited by everything that was going on like I I wanted to be able to do everything and you'd be looking at people around you doing all this stuff that was really impressive and you would want to be able to do that but you didn't maybe understand that everyone's different so I think for me like one comparing yourself to other people doesn't really help it can it yeah. it can be like more of a negative thing in the sense that like if you're chasing after somebody else well you don't know their training background you don't know what work they've put in to be doing what it is they're doing um and that was something for me was to focus more internally on like why i'm training like what what do i want like what movements is that i want to do what what do i want from my training not comparing myself to someone else in the room um because i found that that was the main thing for me in the beginning was like not in a competitive way because I wasn't really competitive, but in some ways like seeing someone else do something and then thinking, I want to do that, but not understanding the process to get there. Um, is that something that I think from what I've learned since like working with you guys is like the building blocks, the blocks and the framework that you put in place to actually show that anything's like achievable, but it's just committing the time and, and, and like, working through uh those correct building blocks in the right sort of stages um but yeah and then earning the right to progress like you say and i love that that was one thing that stuck in my head from like I think the first workshop i did with you was um there isn't a way around it if i can't do a strict handstand push-up i can't do a strict handstand push-up and um yeah. it means that doesn't mean i'm never going to do one i just need to put the right tools in place to get that strict handstand push-up um not find a way around it and that's that was a big thing for me yeah, I think that's really important that you could potentially ignore it. Um, the, the the thing that's staring you in your face that you actually need to do and you can find a workaround. And people do that all the time in training. People want to lift more in a military press and they can't do it like with a decent um, postural control, but they want to put more weight on the bar. They don't want to take weight off the bar if a mate's just been on it. Um, and they'll just do it with a, with a compromised postural position because it kind of achieves the end result and you think that you've done you've done it. Okay, that's fine. I, I achieved what I wanted to and you, and you have. But the cost of that in terms of you've just cheated the system yeah. effectively and sooner or later that's going to come back and it's going to, it's going to bite you. Yeah. And it's, some, it's being okay with the fact that these things take time. Yeah. Like I, I've just... Um, I haven't trained that much while we've been away the last sort of three weeks and I kind of got a thing of like anxiety of like I should be training what's happening what's going to training and I, I just like sense check myself and went don't worry about it like just take the time off like I, I'm past that point where I'm so worried about having to get three four five sessions in a week yeah. because I'm like and, 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 and do you know what the, the crux of it is mentally I'm in a much better place I'm more so much more comfortable with myself and my training knowing that take three weeks off and do a couple of sessions when you feel like it but what's happened is I come back and I've got an hour 12 week block planned and I'm like mm -hmm. ready to roll I can't wait rather than just grinding through on holiday going I need to train and accepting that these things are going to take time and 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 that's okay like, yeah I think what you said about um not comparing yourself to others earlier Georgie mm. and your example then it just reminded me of um 
I was uh, doing a session at Nottingham Uni with um, one of the athletes and uh, there was a, a rugby team in and it reminded me of when we were playing rugby and you're in the squat rack and you do, you're in a pair or a three and like this la- this young lad, he turned to his mate and he was like, should we put two plates on? And he was like, and he was like yeah, well, yeah, yeah. We'll go. And, there was, and looking at him going, you, you can't, our coach said it to us once, once there was like two lads had done exactly the same, we were at to do like six sets and there was a particular percentage of a thing you were supposed to hit and you had to write your scores down. He looked at these two lads and he was like, how for every single set have you two done exactly yes. this? So you're telling me that you two are both exactly <laughs> the same strength every single time on this and it was like one of you is working either during that one of you is potentially working too hard and one's not working hard enough Um, how many times that's happened in the gym coaching (laughs) yeah i'm sure loads of people listening will 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 do you 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 get some it's great work training with someone i mean training partners lots of great things that 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 does but you have to make sure that you are still individualizing the session. Do you train together, but individualize it for your own ability. So like you said, you can earn the right to progress. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I had a question, Georgie, around, um, you mentioned how you've been to, you've been to a workshop with us, you've been to the coaching seminar, and then, and now you've, you've come to um, some workshops where you've been coaching with us and, What's been the what's it been like for you going from the uh, being on the receiving end of coaching from us to actually then joining and coaching alongside us at a workshop? What's that been like? Um, that's like been a really exciting process because like I've been able to put it like I can start preaching the things that I've learned from you. Um, things that have benefited my training helps me to inspire other people and show them that. that that they can progress the same. Like a lot of the time we put, we'll look at a movement and I think there's no way I'm ever going to be able to do that. And you see that look on a lot of people's faces on a workshop. They look at like Tim doing his perfect ring muscle up <laughs> and think that's, that's just so never going to happen to me. And I think the most exciting part for me coaching on like your workshops is showing everybody in that room that they can all get to that point through the right process for themselves um, and that's probably the part I enjoy the most is, is showing people what is possible. Um, yeah, I think that's it really. <laughs> that's cool because that's one of the big things that we want to do at a workshop is leave if for people to leave believing that it's possible yeah. like the whole thing about redefining impossible and, and then that just like dovetails with what you said before around we have to understand that people have got to commit to process and you can do it if you want to do it yeah. but you've got to be willing to put in the time and you've got to do it do it properly yeah. effectively um but those two things go hand in hand you've got to have the belief that you can do it but yeah. then you've also got to have the discipline to execute a proper training program and, yeah. and, and run the course so that you don't one you got to stay in the game when it gets hard because calisense is going to do that to you it's going to get to a point with your handstands where it doesn't feel like it's going anywhere and i'm actually not really enjoying it that much because it's flipping brutal but you have to yeah. stay through that and and that continued ambition motivation and belief and i think that's a that's a real key little sort of like or combination of things i see our our job as coaches is to give people the tools that georgie said talked about that having the having the tools to be able to do it well we as coaches need to give people the tools and then talking about trusting the process we've got to give you the belief 
to believe in the in the process to yeah. to guide people along along that journey and I, th- I think as you said it's exciting to to see that and it's a real privilege to work with someone and, and feel like you're having a positive impact on that aspect of their whether it's a bit of a belief thing whether it's giving them the tools thing or however long it is along that way uh, that journey but yeah. just helping them go another another little step and knowing that we may not ever see you again or we might see a workshop in a year's time yeah you're going away with some tools that I've been helpful in that process that you can then go along and use. Yeah, definitely. Um, one thing we're going to finish up with George is a bit of a specific example, just so Kiana put some of this into context, but you mentioned about how long it took you to get your first pull up. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of people who struggle with that. And it's still like the, the principles that you you experience when you go through your first rep um, to what someone's going to want to do if they want to do a muscle up, for example, or wants to <clears throat> do a more advanced pull-up progression Mm -hmm. the same principles apply but just tell us a little bit about that journey what are the sort of key lessons that you learned that would be valuable for the people that are also starting to look at mastering the basics or to scale their progression um, in in a foundational movement uh well putting it simply really um like i knew pretty much from day one that a strict pull-up was what i wanted like so having a goal is really important um i then for months just didn't stop trying and that was putting other things in place like doing the negatives doing like lots of pulling like variations of pulling work um but really just being consistent that's the most important part is like showing up being consistent and just chasing that goal down but like the first time I went into a gym and saw someone do a pull-up we thought wow I want to be able to do that um hanging on the rig at the time felt almost impossible like I think I said earlier um I complained that my hands were hurting and um, did I use did gloves? Did you ever use no, gloves? No, I didn't use gloves. Good, <laughs> I good, think good. I tried <laughs> I think I tried a set of the those bulldog like grips once, um, but I hated them. I preferred like sorry, bulldog. <laughs> I preferred <laughs> grip on the ring. <laughs> Hates the um, They just didn't feel comfortable for you. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it didn't, didn't work for me. That's it. <laughs> um, but yeah, then then it was every week I'd be going into the gym and I'd be doing something to work towards that pull up. And then eventually that pull up happened. And then I ran around the gym screaming and was like super excited. And then from there, <laughs> from there it was like, right now what? Now what's next? Like I want to be able to do two pull ups or three pull ups. And then it was like, oh, one day I want to be able to do a strict muscle up. And that was just there in my head all the time. So it was then building some volume and then um, about like working and understanding how to do the muscle, working through the basics, through the transitions and stuff. And, and it all kind of pieced together that way to the point that now I am doing stripping muscle ups. But that's been like maybe a, a five-year process or something. But I've enjoyed every Yeah, I was going to... Yeah, I was going to ask you how long, or potentially your 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 ring muscle. You mentioned Tim's ring muscle. Your ring muscle is badass. Yeah, and <laughs> I was interested. You've already answered the question. I was going to ask how long it potentially took you to get that starting from literally not being able to do a pull up. So in the, in the about around about five years, yeah. I say. Yeah, about is, five years. It took me about a year to get my first pull up, um, and then from there it was yeah, it was just building the volume. And I think it probably wasn't until like nearly three years into training that I thought yes, a muscle up is what I want. Um, and then but I already had a fair amount of pulling strength at that point so then it was just like understanding and learning the movement pattern Um, and yeah and like obviously the false grip too (laughs) Um, yeah. When you did your, um, when you went for your pull-up sport, George, did you go like from 
to go from one rep to five reps mm. did you just keep doing the same thing but scaled it or did you did you change anything um i like focused on like moving consistently within a rep range that i could hit so like say i could do one like strict pull up i might do lots of singles to build that up but then i'd also put in some strength afterwards like volume so it might be like sets of ring rows at higher volume like say 10 reps for example um and then over time that one turned into two or into three and then progressively i'd keep increasing that um consistent number of reps that i could hit so then i was doing sets of two or eventually sets of three and that was helping build the volume up as well if that makes sense yeah, <laughs> yeah perfect yeah. yeah yeah and you can do some you can do some fairly crazy bendy sort of <laughs> yoga stuff you can do some crazy uh well frog stand variations that we've yeah. we've seen um as well as other yeah and other d- different hand balancing things what what's your what's the thing you're most proud of is it the ring muscle up because or what, what's what are you most proud of and what's actually been what did you find the hardest thing for you to actually do that you can now do um i think at the moment it's still kind of a work in progress but the thing I've been most proud of is actually a strict handstand push-up. Um, and yeah. it might not be, I could probably pick myself apart and say the form isn't perfect and I can work on that. But I have been working towards that point for such a long time. Um, and it was something that I found so hard because actually like quite some time ago, I had a couple of um, issues with my neck and I had a neck injury previously where I'd actually slipped a disc. So being upside down and like pressing from that vertical position absolutely terrified me. Um, I actually avoided doing anything within that plane of movement for quite some time, which wasn't the best way to tackle the issue, but uh, that was fear. And with like the right tools and then learning how to um, progress, which if I'm honest is through the, like through the tools that I've learned from you guys um, because I came to you quite some time ago saying, I've been trying to do a strict handstand push for so long and it just isn't happening. Um, and yeah. then putting like a new sort of training plan in, in, in place has got me to the point that I now have done one. And um, for me, that's probably my biggest achievement just because I know how much I wanted it for so long. And I, I guess I could put that in the same sort of box as like the pull-up too. Um, that was a real big moment for me at the time. Do you yeah. remember the key take-home message when we when we, <laughs> we talked about your vertical pushing and um, what we told you what the what the, the harsh reality was? You're not strong enough. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't say you didn't say you're weak though. <laughs> so, no, well, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's relative. You're just not strong enough for what you want to do. Yeah. yeah. No, and that's it. But that. All right. Last. It's a really good thing to hear because. Um, that was what I needed to hear. And I like didn't take that in a in a negative way whatsoever. It was like, I kind of needed that answer. I just needed you to say to me, yeah, you're not strong enough. Go, right, okay, like, sort it out, G, go home and like go work on it. And that's what I've been doing. And like every single week I've been working on it. Um, yeah, and like eventually yeah. when I get to that point that I can do consistent handstand push-ups, that's where I'm going to be like, right, uh, frog press the handstand that's happening <laughs> yeah yeah well then, and we laughed about it because it's exactly the same reason we can't do any of the things that we don't can't yet do um and it's something we we say to people at workshops around and it's just written as a i guess as a phrase or a sentence as you said it isn't the message isn't you you're too weak mm. like because just because you're not strong enough yet 
doesn't mean you're not actually now strong. Like I'm strong, yeah. but I'm not strong enough yet to do X. Uh, it's still like a very positive way um, to think about something. And as you say, you, if you if that is the problem, like we do need to we do need to know. Um, it's just I guess doing that in a in a in a nice loving way. Yeah. I, I told Jacko <laughs> that his core was piss weak for years before he listened to me and actually did something about it. Yeah, and now, surprisingly, oh, so he's very really good at golf. Not strong enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Greg. I just need to work on my putting. Have you got any tips for that? <laughs> we'll look about that. It's about your uh, anterior pelvic tilt. Um, so, last question, George, and we're going to wrap it up. Is um, what are you currently working on? It and is there anything which is sort of like you got there as being your impossible? Like we talk about redefining impossible. Like we know that you, you've obviously talked about the process, and you look at anything, you go, well, "I can probably do it if I put the time in." But is there anything where you're going to go, "Okay, that's going to be hard. I've got to put some work in for that one," and, and that might be another five year goal? Or um, so yeah, what do you think about what's on your on your training tick list? Um, I think I have quite a few impossibles, but if I pick one then that's probably going to be, I'm going to go with the strict bar muscle up because I have a decent amount of pulling strength and say I, I can do like 10 strict pull-ups, for example, but I can't do a bar muscle up. And that's where you're, you know, you're looking, I'm looking at the rig and I'm thinking, I could do 10 strict pull-ups. How can I not pull in a bar muscle up? But then there's so much more to it in terms of like speed and, and power and positioning and everything that I've learned from you and the workshops and then also like, teaching those workshops with you um mm. so for me it's knowing i've got to work on on like like my speed and my power quite yeah do you know what a lot. you're not fast enough yet yet but it's a good point though because people often you know uh, 10 because it's a nice round number will get branded around if you can do 10 of these then you can do x and like with pull-ups you can do 10 and if you've heard that you go because someone else listening will be going yeah, I can do 10. I can't either. Like what's, what's going on And 10 to speed at how you pull can be very, very different. And, yeah. and that's, there's this massive strength element to that, but there's also just like a, how, how quick can you actually fire the nervous system? Have you ever trained that before? If you've never trained speed, we can't expect to be fast. Mm. Um, and I guess that's just, yeah, that's just a little one for people listening at home that feel the same thing. I mean, we had a, a para swimmer before, uh, crispy who could do 21 strict pull-ups, couldn't do a muscle well, up. Yeah. And he just didn't have the technique. Um, all the speed all the speed but with that but with with that you know the stronger someone are is they're going to be able to produce force faster like you could just that strength and abundance thing lets you move yourself faster um but yeah there's there's those two things like the movement and the strength and then the technique for these things and if we get those if we can marry those three things up for for our own body weight then we can all do things that seem impossible right now. And I've got 100% confidence seeing how you move and how you go about your training that you will do a bar muscle up strict at some point and it's going to look wicked. When you do it. <laughs> but 100% believe you're going to hit that. Well, I don't you, think it's as impossible as you actually think it should is. Should we follow the bar muscle up program inside the virtual classroom? Exactly. Of course. She's got any sense yeah. she will. <laughs> <laughs> should we be following the week by week program still with the self assessments at the end of each module so she'll know when to progress? <laughs> it'll, be, it'll be really simple. Just so a like, process there that she can trust. It's good that someone's laid it out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so Georgie thanks so much for joining us on the podcast and again just from from everyone Jacko myself and the guys that welcome to the team at the School of Cal States we're absolutely buzzing to have you on board and to bring your knowledge and expertise and, and just this variety of, of movement experience that you've got to, uh, to help everybody else out there start to redefine the impossible. So it's an absolute pleasure to have you on board. If, uh, if you're listening to the podcast and, uh, and uh, you haven't yet given us a five-star review, Georgie wants you to do a five-star review of the podcast, don't you, Georgie? 
Yeah, obviously. As well as, as well as, um, yeah, t- uh, say, meet, meet, you know, get on to the Hench Yogi um, on Instagram. Go and say hello to her. I'm sure you'd love, if you've got any questions for her about your pull-ups or, or muscle-ups, you know, ask ask Georgie, ask us. Um, we are here to help you and we'd love to hear what you thought of the podcast and also answer any questions you might have around the stuff that we were just discussing. So just for everybody else who's watching, that's the underscore Hench underscore Yogi, right? Yes. <laughs> perfect alright well I'm, I'm going to sign off for that one so with nothing else to say then until next time class dismissed